0: Well, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to uh, to, come to to be an encouragement to the body of Christ, to remind us of what you've called us to, uh, this great salvation that we have, and the, uh, the purpose for which we have been saved. So, Father, I ask that you would communicate uh, clearly through me, and that our, that hearts would be opened, minds would be opened. Uh, to uh, to receive what it is that you have for us this morning, that we would uh, take it in, take inventory, and make changes where we need to make changes, and celebrate in relationship with you throughout the whole process of it. So, Lord, I ask all this in the great name of Jesus, our our Christ our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. All right. If someone will just if the microphone quits working, if I'm, I feel like I'm skipping out, but if I'm not, great. If I do, if someone will tell me, I'll I'll go that route. So. Now the title of my message today is what is the assignment that's a term that we we find in a, a younger group of uh, of people are so and so got the assignment right do, do we know that is that is that true anyone under 30 25 and the, the the statement there or the question is that or statement of someone got the assignment is they did they're, they're doing something they're they're rocking something well so they we're going to prom and the dress or the outfit they chose they killed it it got the assignment and they owned it okay mm-hmm. so that's the uh that's in our day our culture today that's this you know that's the question or that's the statement uh, and it does kind of spin into what what is our assignment so we're, we're we're here god's got a plan for us what is it can we own the assignment and then can we rock the assignment right that's, that's the question that I'm going to ask today. But before we do that, um, there's, I've got a couple of questions. Well, one is, uh, what is our purpose? Why are we here? More specifically, why am I here? Not just collectively all of us, but the why am I here? Does God have a plan or a purpose for us walking I believe he does. I believe that as I look around, I know uh, individuals, we've got relationship with the Lord. So I'm going to walk through some of the, what it looks like that we've kind of walked through the steps of relationship that we are, that we're called or identified as followers of Christ. Uh, And this is worth noting is the reason I'm going to go through some of these steps is because as Heather and I have engaged in counsel and different things, we've engaged with couples or individuals and we hear often, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm saved, only to walk down that road down there with them a little bit to find out, hmm, we're cultural Christians, or we're as Christian as we are American, or we we're saved into something different than Christ, or we got some of the concepts, or some of the points, but not all that Christ offered to us. So I'm going to walk down this. And if something doesn't resonate here and you go, Oh, I didn't know about that or I have a question about that, please after church or this next week follow up with myself or now, because it is worth making sure that we've got all that God's got for us and that we are we're owning that that we can rock the assignment. So one, we have acknowledged and confessed that that we are sinners that is is that better? All right. One that we are acknowledging and confessing that we are sinners and that we used to be slaves of sin, meaning sin had mastery over us. So, that is uh, that is true of all of us and we need to acknowledge that. Romans 3:23 says for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Two, we have to acknowledge and accept the truth that there is a God. He is holy. And that he sets the rules or the laws to live, uh, for us to live by here on earth. He, and he's the creator of it. First Peter 1:15 and 16 says, "But as we, have conco- uh, but as we who call you, as he who calls you ho- is holy, you also be holy in, in, in your conduct, since it is written, "You shall be holy as I am holy." And in, in Hebrews 11:6 he says, "But without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seeks him. So those are two things there we have to acknowledge that there is a God. We're not him, right? That's a big deal in our world, right? Because we live in a world of, we think of ourselves as society, that we're, we are the little, we're demigods, right? It's, how does that affect me? So, or what, what's going on, you know, somehow, some way, if we even believe in God, he's here to serve me. And that's just not true. We are here to serve God, right? And we're going to get into that here in a little bit. Three, we have to acknowledge that, we, that the wages of sin is death. This death scripture is referring to is eternal separation from God and eternity in hell. I didn't write it, it's, but it's true, right? God wrote it. It's his creation. It's his world. And we're here to, to play in it. So we acknowledge that. Romans six twenty three: for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Right? Key word there, our, key words are our Lord. So we're, we'll dig into that here in a few minutes too. But we acknowledge that, that there is sin, there is death, and if we, wanna, we want something different, we're going to have to do something different. Number four, we have to also have to own the fact that we don't want to experience the consequences of the righteous judgments that God rightly levied against all of us. Right? He sets the rules. He said, hey, here's what they are, and none of us qualify. Right? Because God is righteous, because God is just. If the gavel were to fall, there's enough evidence to convict me of sin, and the righteous judgments of my sin is death. So as we have, all of us, I believe, have lingered there, right, as we, we came into this information, there was this conviction of heart, that's had to rest in us, and we go, oh, my God, what must I do to be saved? Saved. Saved from what? The consequences of sin and death, right? Uh, none of us want that. So we all have had to come to that place, that moment in time, that crossroads, and say, really, whatever it is, I'm willing to do it. Or we can say, hey, I don't believe that. does not change the truth of it. And we go on our merry way, right? Maybe our heart's even harder than before, and we try to do it in our own righteousness. Or we try to do it, or we don't try to do it at all. It's just like, hey, this is, this, he who dies with the most toys wins, and I'm after all the toys. Right? That's the, kind of the economy that we live in. But that's not God's economy. So we, we acknowledge that there's a consequence for sin, and we don't want that. So we also have to own the fact that we don't want, to, oh, we got that. He says in Romans 3.23, I'm going to go back to that, for all of sin. So I can't say, oh, everyone has sinned but me or I've done more good than bad, I was born in sin, right? We were all born in sin, and so we all, need, we all need a Savior. We have also accepted that God is, that in his goodness, that he has made a way for us to be saved from these consequences of our sins, and this way is found only in Christ Jesus, right? There's no other way that, by which man can be saved. There's not one. We've tried it. We've se- tried self-righteousness, right? We've tried buying it, you know, um, John three sixteen says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. He's the one who made a way. Man couldn't do it. So God came and he did it for us, and we have accepted that gift. In John 10 14, he also says, I am the good shepherd, I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and as I know the Father, and I lay down my life for my sheep. He calls us sheep. Right? We are those sheep that he is laying down his life for, that he laid his life down for. And we thank him for that, right? Because the consequences of sin are not good. That is not what any of us want. and But beyond that, it's not good. We get this benefit as we come into this of having this relationship with this, as we sang this morning, this good, good father. Right? He didn't just come and save us. He's not a... Uh, he didn't just save us and okay okay now play on the earth right he came he saved us he reconciled us unto himself and then he invites us to do re- actual do relationship with him so number six here this final point about our salvation by faith we believe that jesus was fully god and fully man that he lived a sinless life and in so doing was qualified or is qualified to be the atonement for our sins we believe that he died in our place for our sins and was raised to life after three days and now is seated at the right hand of, the, of God. And I'm going to, we have some scriptures up there, yes. Hebrews 11.1, one, now, fa- now faith is the uh, assurance of things hoped for, the, con- the uh, conviction of things, of, of conviction of things not seen. So that we accept that gift by faith. None of us were there to see that, right? We take God at his word and we walk in that. Romans 8.24, or 8.34, who is condemned? Christ, Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So I've got this really great picture in my mind. I've shown a couple of you guys, just people at different times, that we've got God the Father sitting on his throne, right? And it says that Jesus is now sitting at the right hand of God making petition for us. It's why we pray in Jesus' name. So if I have a need, I have a want, whatever that, that request is, I pray, and I pray that in Jesus' name, right? And Jesus, I have this picture of Jesus going, hey, Dad, what do you think? What says you? You're the father, right? You're the boss. You're the, you're the Lord. Um, so, and then God makes this statement, hey, we're going to go ahead and do that, or I want to do this, and by His Holy, by the Holy Spirit, We get the answer, right? And because I house God in this acceptance, this exchange, I house God. God communicates to me by His Spirit, and and I get the answer to my to my question. Whether that is a yes, and here's how this is going to work, or no, son, that's not what I have for you. But in that, we have this circle or this cycle of communication. So to sum all that up, we believe that by faith we have received salvation from the consequences of our sins that's repentance, and by turning to God through faith, trusting that Jesus forgave us of our sins and has set us on a path to live with him. And it's not something that we've earned. It's the gift. It's the great gift that keeps on giving. It's Jesus alive, raised from the dead, living, making petition for us, and... Adventuring through this life with us, right? And I'm going to get into what why that is so wonderful here in a minute. So, if that's not been your experience or how you came to the Lord, I would love to talk to you. Cornell would love to talk to you. I'm sure anyone else in here would love to talk to you. But that that is the basis of our found of our foundation of a relationship with Him, and it's one that He is the Lord of our lives. So it gets us to this. What really, what my point of the of the conversation is today is. I'm saved, now what? What's the assignment? What did he, we get what he saved us from, but what does he want to do with me? What was his, what's his plan for saving mankind? Or making salvation available to mankind? I should have chosen, chosen a different ink color here. Well, first of all, the first assignment is fellowship, right? God redeemed us unto himself. I know that you know. I had a daughter that just we just had a daughter that just graduated. She lives in Arkansas. Just the joy of getting to talk to her, the joy of getting to celebrate things with her, to getting to have fellowship with her—it's—it's it's everything to me. You know, it's—it's—it's it's, it's the joy of parenting. And you think about God as a father, and His joy for us to fellowship with us. And Judah, <laughs> and Johnny, who's not with us today, and Jaden. I love my children. I love my wife. There's this joy of fellowship, right? God wants to fellowship with us. That's his aim. That's his, that's his thing, right? <laughs> Many times we can look at ourselves and go, I don't get it. I don't know what you see in me that's redeemable, but I'm grateful that you redeemed me, right? Is that right? Yeah. So, and we spend a lifetime through the sanctification process of really seeing ourselves the way that he sees us. And how does he see us? He sees us through the blood of Christ, right? <laughs> so that's the process. That's what we're here for. So first and foremost, it's for fellowship. He, The word redeemed, right? It, we, were, we were deemed for something, but sin got in the way. And so I've been redeemed in Christ Jesus. He's brought me back into this thing, this relationship. I've been redeemed back into him. So just as... Adam got to walk in the garden with God. Adam and Eve walked in the garden with God. We see, and we're going to go into some of Hebrews 11, uh, various people that walked throughout Scripture that had fellowship with God. Now, through Christ Jesus, we have an amazing relationship with God. We have access to him not just once a year like they did in the Old Testament or through a burning bush or through a variety of other um, kind of (laughs) one-offs, We have this relationship with him now that we get to do, wake up with him, go to lunch with him, talk to him about all our cares, all our concerns, um, go to sleep, dream about him. We have get un- unhindered access to him. That's the gift that we got in Christ Jesus. So that's first and foremost that we get that. And as we engage in that relationship with him, the more I spend time with him, the more I find myself loving him, in love with him, right? As I bring my needs to him, my concerns to him. as a counselor, as uh, as Heather and I engage in counseling, so much of our counseling is telling the truth about who God is, and just dis, um, dispelling the lies of who God is because how many times do we, does God get blamed for things that are not God, right? And so we live, we live this life of sanctification, this process of leading others and being led ourselves to this who God really is, not who someone misrepresented him to be, or putting things on God that really aren't on God, right? We, we all know what GD means, right? We, we God damn things that really God hasn't damned, we live in a sin-filled world. There's an enemy here, and it's not God. Right? But he gets blamed for so much. Right? And he says, that's not me. That's not, my, that's not who I am. That's, that's not my position there. I love you. Right? We have this God who what? Came and spent himself for us. Right? Not a God who said, hey, I'm here. Come and spend yourself for me. He said, hey, I'm here. I'm going to come to earth as a man. I'm going to... Fulfill the, 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 the demands of reconciliation. I'm going to be that lamb. I'm going to be that sacrifice so that I can have this relationship with you. So it's not one where he, other, others may, they ask you to spend them yourself for them, right? In the world, we use, um, we use people to get money, right? Maybe in, our, in this economy or power right? But God says, I use money. I use my resources to get people. So that's, that's what he invites us into. So we've got this redemption. And in this redemption, as we walk this redemption, this redeemed relationship out with him, he invites us to a second purpose beyond fellowship. It's to invite other people into the fellowship, right? As I know God, I've invi- I want to invite others to know God. And what's one of the many things that's great about God is he's not like a like this piece of this table here, if this was a pie, and for me to get this much pie, someone else is getting less, right? He, he is always expanding. There is more of him. He doesn't sleep. He's not locked into it. You've got to know it in English. You've got to know it in Spanish. You've got to know it in, in Chinese. No, he communicates with all of us by his spirit, and we have his written word, and by the gift of God, the, the word of God has been and is being translated to untold uh, languages, um, so that others can come to know the Lord. But in this, this invitation to know him and make him known, which is our uh, church mission, it's our church aim, is to know God. That's first and foremost. Those first six things of us walking in fellowship with him. The second is to make him known. That's the Great Commission. It's discipleship. So to fulfill the Great Commission, we have to... We, uh, he has given each of us the spiritual gifts to function as the body of Christ, to assist and equip us in fulfilling the Great Commission. Who here has, uh, knows about spiritual gifts? Or you've heard the term spiritual gifts? All right. Well, there is a purpose for spiritual gifts, and none of them are for our profit, right? You can see places in the New Testament where people had spiritual gifts and they tried to profit off of them or they tried to buy those gifts, right? Not what God wants for us. The purpose of our spiritual gifts or to edify the body, to uh, make disciples, to have discernment. I'm going to read off some of these. We have spiritual gifts. So we, we find them in three different scriptures. We find them in Romans 12, 6 through 8, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11, and 1 Corinthians 28. Let me see where we are here. In the list in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11, it says, oh, let me, let's go back to Romans 12. They are prophesying, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leadership, and mercy. All things that the body of Christ needs, right? There's these, things, it's the, these gifts that are for the body of Christ so that we can encourage one another, we can serve each other in these things for the health of the body of Christ because as the body of Christ, we're under the headship of Christ, right, so that we're best equipped to serve God's plans and his purposes for his body. So, and then we've got in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11, uh, the list is includes the words of wisdom, the words of knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, the distinguishing between spirits, speaking in tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. All those are, I mean, we could go down and just do a teaching on each of those. But we need those. The body of Christ needs those, right? It's how we can uh, encourage one another. We can uh, build each other up, serve one another in these things. It's that, I mean, that's the aim is so that the body is best equipped. It's like going to the gym because there's work to do. So we go to the gym to work out and we, we bring different pieces of equipment to build the body in different ways, right? So that's what's going on there is the body is being built. God's given us these gifts to serve the body and then to engage community who doesn't know that they're part of the body yet, right? Because they're believing a lie or they're, uh, they just have no idea who, that they're, who their heavenly father is, right? They're, they're, they're orphaned, if you will. They're, they're walking in deception," it says the list, and, and then in the, the list of First Corinthians twelve twenty eight includes healings, helps, uh, governments, uh, diversities of tongues, and a brief. description says, um, "I'm not going to go into that, the, the descriptions." So, but again, each of those there's a purpose for all of them, and God's purpose is that we we have them, we own them, we grow in them. And then we serve each other and and, and serve his will in them so they're accessible to him. I don't get to take my gift and do what I want to do with it. I bring that gift and I submit it to him. God, what do you want to do with this gift? Who do you want me to connect to with this gift? What does this gift and this gift look look like when they get together? So we're engaging each other with these spiritual gifts. Again, all for the glory of God. So we take those. And then we go after or we we pursue this, the the fulfillment of the Great Commission. It's interesting because, you know, the Great Commission uh, is to know God and make him known. It's to be a disciple and make disciples. I'm going to read that scripture here in just a second. But it's interesting because, you know, as we're called Christians in the book of Acts, and you know what Christian means? It means little Christ. And originally, the, the word Christian was not a name that we gave ourselves. I didn't go around identifying as a Christian, like I'm an American, I'm a Christian, that term is something that others put upon us. They can say, Heather, you must be a Christian. I can see Christ in you. I can see the attributes of Christ in you. Right? I mean, that's the aim. That's the, and again, not because we're striving so hard to look like Christ. It's the more that I hang out with God, the more I begin to love what God loves, hate what he hates, engage him. I begin to, to see myself because we're all image bearers of God, right? And Jesus is our eldest brother. He is the the second Adam, but he is the the spiritual, he's the one who who righted the ship, if you will. And so the more I hang out with him, the more I get into his word, the more I'm in prayer, the more I'm in fellowship with God, the more Christ becomes preeminent in my life the more I'm able to and willing to lay down the sins of my life for the things that don't look like Christ and say, God, work those things off of me. Sand them where you need to sand them. Chisel them where you need to chisel them. Be gentle with me. That hurts. But we submit to those things. We desire those things because, again, it's in this place, it's this relationship where I desire to please God. Because, remember, he, this is the God who came to earth as a man and took away the consequences of my sin. They were put upon Christ, right? And then Christ and his words are, hey, I did this. I took my cross to Golgotha. Pick up your cross and follow me. And we go after this. So that's the aim. That's the, that's the purpose of what, we're, of what we're doing and why we're doing what we're doing. So it's, it's good that we are identified as Christians. But, again, not because we're just telling each other we're Christians. right? But as we go into the world, and the world system is you hit me, I hit you back, I hit you harder. And we go, hey, I'm going to turn the other cheek. And I go, wow, there's something different about you. Or you're in pursuit of relationships instead of money. Right? Or there's a purpose for money, as I mentioned before, but that money is to purchase people. We're investing our our resources in relationships rather than more, more, more of the stuff, more of the stuff that we can't take with us. Right? Again, we're not... The aim is not to sacrifice people for the sake of money, but we use money to gain people, to gain relationship, to gain, gain influence. Uh, same with not just, you know, we talk about money as the great commodity, but I can tell you in my 50s, I'm realizing that time's the greatest commodity, right? I start looking at, hey, I'm running out of time. I don't, and not just time, energy. I don't have the same energy. I was doing some work at the house the other day and was like, this is exhausting. Just a few years ago, I was building this house, and now it's hard to maintain it. So, but energy, time, and energy—these great commodities. I'm willing. To, what am I willing to spend those things on? I'm willing to spend those on relationships, right? I mean, that, that's that's an, a precious thing. Relationships. God didn't redeem me unto a house. He redeemed me unto Himself, and wants me spending self on those relationships, right? The house is going to at some point. That beautiful house is going to be. Like this old barn we just passed a couple days too ago It was like, well, at some point that was beautiful, but its day has come and gone. That house is going to be that way. But you know what? These relationships are everything to God. So that we, we really see what has value to God. We see what is precious to him, and we go after that. We begin to love what it is that he loves. right? We, and, we're, again, we're willing to spend ourselves for that. So to do that, it takes this investment of time, money, energy, uh, focus, saying no to the things that the world is tempting us with, whether that's fame, whether it's just sometimes in torment. It's just, if you'll do this, just the relief of pain. Right, I can medic- medic- medicate from my hurts. I can... Um, I can escape. I can escape into work. I can I do a lot of work with teen challenge. I can escape into drugs or alcohol or um sinful behavior that is really just a numbing out of the the hurts of my life instead of taking those to the Lord. But he calls us in this relationship as we engage God, he calls us to be ambassadors. Anyone just I won't I won't call on you, but anyone know what an ambassador is? Everyone, anyone, thank you. So an ambassador is someone who goes to a foreign land and represents some something or someone that's not them, right? And they're there to make uh, do business or to do um, fellowship for the betterment of the the person or the the country that sent them. Can I tell you that Scripture tells us that we're ambassadors? As we come into Christ, we've been invited and really christened into this to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world who's doing a different economy. Nothing against capitalism. I love capitalism. It's the greatest economy under the sun, but it's not God's economy, <laughs> right? His is to be the greatest. You're going to be the least. You want to be first, be last, right? Serve. If you want to be served, serve. <laughs> Go lower, right? Sacrifice yourself for, the, for, for others, so as ambassadors, that's our aim. It's to do God's bidding, to, to bring about to others what, Christ, what God loves, and that is to redeem, a, to redeem man unto himself. So as I was redeemed, God invites you and I to help uh, to tell others the truth so that they can also walk in redemption and they can start this great adventure of fellowshipping with God. Christians, I'm just going to read this part because I liked it so much. It says, Christians are God's ambassadors in that they have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. And remember, the gospel is the good news, right? Bad news, <laughs> we need to be saved, right? The consequences of sin is death. The good news is the, is the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he came and he paid that price for us. That's the good news. So as we go through the world, we represent another kingdom. That's God's kingdom. And it's our responsibility to reflect the official position of heaven. I like that. The official position of heaven. That's what we get to do. When We think, hey, I'm a nobody here. Maybe in the eyes of man, but guess what? In God's eyes, we have an official position to represent his kingdom, to do his bidding. Right, and it's, the scripture says that all of heaven rejoices when just one person is saved. One person comes into this reality, this truth of who God is, and their role in it. I think that's a pretty cool position. We are in this world, but we're not of it. John, that's what John 17, 16 says. As God's ambassadors, we are to be shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. That's what Matthew 10, 16 says. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit. We must take the message of our king to the ends of the earth, imploring men and women everywhere to be reconciled to God. That's our charge. That's what we're here for. It's really clean. It's really simple, right? We can make it complicated because we want the best of this world and we want the kingdom to come, right? But from what what I see in scripture, that's not the case. I mean, if we look at it the way that God looks at it, it's really simple. He spent himself for us. He invites us to spend ourselves like he did for others. And in so doing, we please the heart of our father. And I don't know about you guys, but man, there is nothing more exciting to me, more fulfilling to me than pleasing the heart of my father. I can come in tired. I can come in hurt. But to hear those words you did it. You, you represented me well today. I've got this um, experience that I had years ago I may have shared with y'all about a friend and a counselor of ours back in Texas. His name is Lee. And this image he, he said as he was praying for me, he said, I just see these hands, like the hand of, like a father putting his hands in the hair of his kid and he's saying, You're a saying, what a good son. And not growing up with those as an option, that wasn't, that was not my story growing up. To have that image of God doing that over me is so precious to me. So as I come to the end of my, my, my day each day or a, the end of a counseling appointment or the end of a, a, an encounter with somebody, and I've obeyed God and what he wanted me to do there, I'm often reminded of that just that picture of God saying, you did it. You represented me well. You said what I wanted you to say. You ministered to that person. You gave him what I had for him. And many times it's frustrating because I go, God, but they didn't choose you or they didn't take what it is that you had for me to give them. They went in a different direction. God will remind me, hey, you're not responsible for the outcome. You obeyed me. You were a good son. And I can tell you there is nothing more exciting. There's nothing more fulfilling for me. And I I hope that you all get to hear that and experience that. There's nothing more fulfilling and and renders such joy to me than those words there. I think of David when he says, just to be able to hear that, when it was a said of David that he fulfilled his purposes in his generation. Man, I want, to, I want to hear that. I want that spoken over me. I look at the, the list of Hebrews, in Hebrews 11 of all the saints of old, right? And these were all people that were all before Christ came. And you think, If he's carrying a list of, you know, that was the pre, the the Old Testament. If he's making a list in the New Testament, man, I want my name on that list. I want it on that list so bad. And not because it's my name, but because I love the fulfilling feelings of of what pleases him. That that brings pleasure to me. And knowing that I fulfilled his purpose. So that's the aim. So we're going to, I'm going to. Uh, wind up here with two two different pictures here. I'm going to lay out what biblical Christianity is, and then as I alluded to earlier, cultural Christianity. We're living in a world where to be a Christian is to be an American, right? Or to be really whatever it is you want it to be. It's we're just we're just Christian, <laughs> you know. Like I've got breath, I'm a Christian. So biblical Christianity adheres to the foundations. Uh, to, to the fundamentals of the Christian faith as found in the Bible. I'm going to read off five things, and we've already covered a number of them, but I'm going to go ahead and read off these five things. The, tri, the, the triunity of God, that, he is, uh, that the one God exists eternally in three persons. He's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I painted that picture here a few minutes ago of God sitting on his throne, Christ sitting beside him, and the Holy Spirit, that, that medium, a means of communication. That Jesus is fully man and was fully God. His death was, uh, substanti- was the sacrifice for our sins, and he rose again, again bodily. We all acknowledge that, right? To be a follower of Christ, a biblical Christian, we have to believe these things. Because if we don't believe these things, then you know what? Then, then there's, there, there, there is no Christ for you because we don't believe it. We have to partner with this in faith. It doesn't mean that it's not real, right? Truth is truth whether we choose to believe it or not. But if we don't believe it, then we can't accept the gift of it. Does that make sense? So, three, salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ Jesus alone. Fourth, the 66 books that make up the Bible are God's word, inspired, inerrant, have no error in it, and are sufficient for living a godly life. We have to believe that. That's, I mean, these are unarguable to be a biblical Christian. We have, to, we have to own these things. And fifth, Jesus Christ is coming again to judge sin and rule the world. I don't know about you guys, but that's exciting to me. You know, as we uh, look across not just history, but we look about where we are today and go, God, how do you tarry? How is Jesus not already here? How is the, the eastern sky not opening up? What's going on here is heinous on a daily basis. But he is coming back, and he is going to judge, and he is going to rule and reign here. So, I don't know about you guys, I get excited about that. I long for that day. (laughs) So, but between that day and today and all our tomorrows until that day, we have this great commission, right, to be ambassadors here. So that's our aim is that when he comes that, I can, that I, I've, I've done what he's called me to do during this time. Because you know what? He could have put any of us in any time in history, in any part of the world, right? There's only two genders, but he could have switched yours, right? There's uh, all of these things he, he could have done, but he with great intentionality, he made you. He made you your gender. He put you in this family, in your family. He put you in this country. He put you in this state. He gave you those parents with great intentionality. So, with great intentionality, he has a plan and a purpose. He could have put you in any era of time, but he put you here. He did what he did with a purpose, and the aim for us is to engage him around that purpose. And so, okay, what did you make me for? And then I engage what he made me for. So, that's what we're called to, and that's what we, we have all of that. And... Any departure of these points represents a departure from biblical Christianity. So, we're going to go into the history of Christianity. We're going to skip that. But I'm going to read off a list of cultural uh, Christianity views and perspectives. If you can check these boxes and go, sometimes I entertain that thought or I see that I'm running my life through one of these filters. I would encourage you to one, have that conversation with God, because the biblical Christianity and cultural Christianity are at odds with each other. So, and it's very easy for it to seep in. It's all around us. But having to come back to it and say, "Hey, God, I don't want to walk in, in this walk this life as a cultural Christian. I want to walk it in relationship with you." So, a cultural Christian is a nominal believer. <laughs> Even just thinking of the word believer, it says that, you know, Scripture says that the demons believe and shudder. But, you know, believing is not the secret. It's not the secret sauce, right? It's believing and making him Lord of our lives. Believing and accepting, right? And then we yield to his lordship. So, a cultural Christian is a nominal believer who wears the label Christian, but the label has more to do with his family background and upbringing than any personal conviction of the Lord Jesus Christ. Cultural Christian is more of a social, more social than spiritual. So many times, again, we, we see people wearing the fish, we wear the cross. Um, what would, you know, WWJD, I'm sure I'm dating myself there. <laughs> but there is this picture of, it's, we're, it's not a spiritual encounter we're having with God it's this place where I'm just checking boxes, or I'm, my, well, my, my parents were Christians, so I'm a Christian. My dad had a relationship with God, or I, I go to church all the time, but it's not a personal relationship with him. A cultural Christian identifies with certain aspects of Christianity, such as the, the works of Jesus, but rejects the spiritual aspects required to be a biblical, biblically defined Christian. Some people consider themselves Christians because of their family background, personal experiences, country of residence, or social environment. Others identify as Christian as a way of declaring a religious affiliation as opposed to, I'm a Christian, I'm not a Muslim. Right? Whereas, again, we're as Christian as we are American many times. Or I'm not a Buddhist, so I don't identify as a Buddhist, so I'm a Christian. I've got to identify as something, and I know I'm not one of those, so I identify as Christian. But are we really based on biblical Christi- the definitions of biblical Christianity or are we identifying as Christians? Again, if somebody were to put me on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict me? Right? That's a great question we should be asking ourselves. And not just collectively, but moment by moment when we're making these decisions for our li- in, our, in our lives, what would Jesus do here, right? What does that look like? In free nations, the gospel is often presented as a costless addition to one's life. Just add church going to our hobbies, add charitable giving to our list of good deeds, or add some cross to the trophies of our mantle. In this way, many people do through the mo- go through the motions of accepting Jesus with no accompanying surrender to his lordship. Key word there is lordship, right? He's the Lord of our lives. Lord, boss, gives the directions, the head, right? My head tells my arm to move, right? My arm does not tell my head. We're submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Again, a tell of our, Christian, our Christianity, our Christ-likeness is that we, we bend to his will. We don't try to make him bend to our will, right? He is not in a genie bottle, and he is here to serve my wants and my whelms, right, I'm here to do his bidding. He's not an ambassador of me. I'm an ambassador of him. That's what we're invited into. That's what it means to be a Christian. These people who do not abide in Christ are cultural Christians. They are, they are the branches that hang around the true vine but have no true attachment. They'll, you'll know that we're Christians, right? By, the Bible says by our fruit. Again, when people are engaging us, different things are coming out of our mouth. Under stress, we're responding in different ways. Again, turning the other cheek. Kindness instead of evil. Spending ourselves instead of spending others. There's no such thing as a cultural Christian in the days of the early church. I liked that. In the early church, there, weren't, there, was, there was no room for cultural Christianity, right? They were, to be a Christian, to follow the way, was to not be able to do business in community. They literally depended on each other. The first disciples were so much like Jesus that they were called the little Christ by their detractors. I like this. Unfortunately, the term has lost meaning over the years and comes to represent an ideology or a social class rather than a lifestyle of obedience to God. It's that other word I like, obedience. Well, I don't really like it. I like it when I'm... As the boss of my house, I like it, <laughs> but as the, the the one who's under authority and God invites me, commands me to obey, that word is challenging at times, right? Because that, that obedience costs me something, whether it's, cost, it's the, just the cost of laying down what it is that I want or if it's costing me time, energy, sleep, pain. Um, there's a sacrifice of sorts. There's this wrestling that goes on in obedience, that of not yielding to my flesh, but giving in or submitting my members to God. So, here's some markers of cultural Christianity: denying the inspiration of Scripture, ignoring the, and downplaying true repentance as the first step towards knowing God. So, you know, I mentioned earlier that I do counseling. It's asking people as they identify as Christian, you're, so you're saved, asking this million-dollar question, what did Christ save you from? How is your life different today? And we should all be able to give an answer to that, whether it's the man on the cross who, with a promise, right, I'll see you today in paradise, right, there's hope in me. That The change in me in that moment for him was there was hope, there was expectation, Right, Nothing else changes. He literally was dying minutes later, but there, something had changed there. He had hope and expectation of something different. Right, there's a, there's a, I can identify a hope and an expectation that I have because of this relationship with Jesus Christ. Because of the faith I've put in him, I believe that I'm not going to split hell wide open, that I'm going to have fellowship with him. And as I grow in this relationship with him, I know. I move from faith of believing that to engaging him and going I know because now I hear I hear the voice of God I hear God God talks to me I see him moving on my behalf I see him doing the seemingly impossible in my life and in the lives of others so I move from faith to faith to faith to faith as I mature in him right so another identifier is focusing on Jesus love and acceptance to the exclusion of his teachings on hell obedience and self-sacrifice I'll read that again. Focusing on Jesus' love and acceptance to the exclusion of his teachings on hell, obedience, and self sacrifice. There's this thought, this theology out there that somehow our giving our lives to Jesus is we've done Jesus some great favor. And that's crazy. Right? I'm going to say that's foolish. That's bad theology. We haven't done Jesus any great favor, Jesus has done this great favor for us, right? So, but in that, we, we, we lean into, I mean, it kind of lends itself to this, that, that theology does, to that there's something that Jesus is supposed to do for us, that he is, he's here to serve my wants, my will, my way, and it's not, right? The aim is that what he did, there is a real hell, and I acknowledge that, and that was my destiny, but, but Christ, right? So I'm grateful, I, I live a life of gratitude for Jesus, right and i submit myself to him here was the great exchange i deserved hell and i didn't get it you didn't deserve hell and you got it and that exchange i give my life to you right and now i sacrifice myself for you as you have as you as i saw you do i pursue that and i do the same and i obey you right because in that exchange jesus becomes the lord of our lives and we engage that and we say god Christ, you are the Lord of my life, and I will, because whatever you're asking me to do, it's not hell. But not just not hell, the things, because God does have good for us, right? He does. He has fellowship with us. He has good for us. It says the goodness of God leads men to repentance. That goodness is not just the cross. This goodness is a relationship with him. And it, it, there's an abundant life here, right? There's this walking by the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, right? Just to name the first three there. Those are good things. This is not a, a sad, hard, pathetic life we're called to, to live in this walk with Christ. You know, we're not all walking around and going, I'm a Christian, I can tell that guy's a Christian, he's so pathetic and sad. No, this relationship is one that we, we walk into places and the place lights up because we hold hope the true hope that doesn't disappoint, right? So as people are going through hardship and they go, man, that guy's got something different. That girl's got something different. What is it that they got to have? There's a light bulb in that person. Well, that hope is Jesus Christ, right? So we engage there. We're called to that. So it's not a sad, pathetic life that we're invited into or a service. It's a relationship that's full of abundance. And we can engage that. But it comes with the price tag of obedience Many times suffering, and suffering to the extent to the point of really the suffering is what my flesh wants, right? It's not my my spirit goes oh again, right? It's my flesh that goes hey I want to eat that or hey I, I want to go to I want twelve hours of sleep or I want to I want to spend my day watching TV or whatever it is, right? It's, it's a, there's a myriad of things that my flesh wants, but the sacrifice the suffering is bringing that flesh under submission. Yielding these members to God. So that's what we're invited to do. When we don't see that, when someone says, hey, I'm a Christian, but we don't see that, we can go, hmm, not to judge them as a cultural Christian, but we don't necessarily treat that person as a brother and sister in Christ. We're called to challenge them in that, right, as a brother and sister in Christ. would say, hey, if you're going to identify as a brother and sister in Christ, can we talk about these behaviors I see in your life? So that we're called to each other back to the standard. You know, here a couple of weeks ago we had a couple of, of men baptized, right? And part of our aim as the witnesses of that were to hold, we're, we're making a commitment to hold them to their confession of faith, right? So that when we see, or if we see, something that doesn't look like Christ in that relationship with them, that we're kindly, humbly inviting them to a conversation to say, hey, you're representing Christ. How does this behavior and your rep- your profession of faith, how do they jail? And we're called to do that, right? Because we need that. I need that. I need men and women, a wife, a pastor, uh, friends in the faith to hold me to that relationship, right? To say, hey, you, you can't talk like that or you can't do business like that. Whatever the behavior is, it's not Christ-like. I need them holding me to that, right? Or even to the extent of if I'm sick and I, I need someone to encourage me in the faith and say, hey, here you go, right? You you, you have a healer because, as we know, right, I've got, I can have a lot of faith for a lot of people, but, man, when I'm sick, man, I, I'm spent. I'm like, Lord, just come take me now. And Heather's like, it's a headache, okay? It's going to be Okay. <laughs> But there's this place that we need each other to not just to, to deal with us in sin, but also to encourage us in the faith, to pray with us, right? To remind us of this salvation that we have, that by His stripes we are healed, and that we do have access to healing. That didn't stop with the apostles, so that we, we, we can uh, we we own that and we bring this to the Father. So as we as we do that. <laughs> As we walk in this relationship and we say, hey, God, I don't want to be a cultural Christian. I want to be a biblical Christian. I want this fellowship with you. I would encourage you just to to take that and say, God, look into my life. I give you access to all the doors of my house. Go into any room that you want. See if there's anything I'm harboring and holding back from you. I want to represent you well. One, I want to represent you well, but more importantly, God, I want to fellowship with you. There is nothing in my life that you can't heal. There's nothing that's in my life that's been lost that you can't restore. There's nothing that the devil has taken that you can't give back. God, I'm willing to trade the hurt for healing. I may have been victimized, but I'm not a victim. You are able to heal and to restore. I can walk in wholeness and in health. I can, I can... I can see things clearly the way that you that you see them, God. Not the way that maybe society sees them, or what my family of origin, my upbringing has has uh, led me to believe that they are, or the way that someone has misrepresented the character of you, God. God, you can reveal yourself to me, and I make myself available. That there's nothing that's off limits to you. So I would encourage you as we, as I close here, to to be thinking about that, to take that and to own that. God, is there, are there things that are keeping me from all that you have for me? Are there some things that are maybe not (laughs) biblical that are in my life? Are there things that are, are there things that were placed on spending my time, my energy, my resources that are not uh, in pursuit of the the great commission, that are not um, pleasing to you? Because as we see with Christ, as we see with uh, the, the men and women in Hebrews 11, this wasn't a, a side gig that they did. Even Paul. Paul wasn't a, te- a tent maker that sometimes was an apostle. <laughs> he was an apostle that sometimes made tents, right? That that's our aim. Wherever we are, whatever your place of employment, that that's your mission field to fulfill the Great Commission. There's someone there. There's something there that God wants you to do. And if you're retired, guess what? You've got neighbors. You've got kids. You've got grandkids. You've got something. As Dell and I talk about often, I so said, Del, if you wake up today, God's got a purpose for you today. So, if we wake up today, God's got a purpose for us today. None of us, there's no retirement with this stuff. So, there's a purpose and a plan that God has for all of us and that we engage it. Because we want to hear, just like I hear in that little picture, that, 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 those words, well done today, son. That we want that. We want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You fulfilled your purpose or my purposes for your generation. So, as we engage there, as we engage there, let's submit that to the Lord and say, God, here I am afresh. Renew this right spirit in me. Renew your plans and your purposes, this call on my life. I don't want to do it my way. I don't want to be cultural. I want to be holy. You've called us to be holy. I want to be holy. I want to walk in righteousness. And I want to fulfill what you've called me to fulfill. And when we, when we strip it all down and we make that the aim, life does, I promise you, it gets a lot simpler. Because we, now we have the why. We have our purpose, right? And so we can go into these places of employment. We can go into Walmart. We can go into wherever you go. As you're getting gas, I mean, the Holy Spirit can go, have a conversation, engage that person, right? Because he's always, he's always on the move. He's always doing something. And when we make ourselves available to him for the fulfillment of this relationship and this great commission, he'll do it in us, and he'll do it through us. Amen? Well, I'm going to – are we good with me praying? Are we good with me closing it out? Can I get everybody to stand? That's what that gesture was, stand. (laughs) Well, as I pray, I'm just going to give us a few minutes here just as we pray to – So just think on those things and just ask the Lord, Lord, is there anything that's hindering that? Or is there something that you want me submitting to you that is not submitted to you? And if so, you have a personal relationship with him. Do that business with him. Have that conversation with him. You don't need to have it with me. You're welcome to have it with me. But you you, you have access to our Heavenly Father. Have that conversation with him. And if there's something that I've said that you disagree with or there's something here you don't understand, feel free to reach out to me after church today. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this great gift of relationship, Father. Father, it would be enough. God, it would be enough if you just (laughs) redeemed us (laughs) away from the consequences of sin, Father. That in and of itself would have been amazing. Father, that in and of itself would have been generous. But Father, you have done so much more than that. And Father, I admit, Father, just openly confess, Father, the, the, the allure of this life here, Father, in America, for at least for myself, Father. Father, it's tempting, Father, to sit back and enjoy, just to enjoy. But Father, I invite you in, Father, to convict my heart, to bring, uh, to initiate the conversation of things that are standing between you and I. Father, areas of my life that I, I'm not, uh, I'm not loving what you're loving, and I'm not hating what it is that you hate, Father. And Father, as we, as we, just as I close here, Father, I ask that you would convict our hearts, Father, where we need conviction. And the Father, you would just put your hand on our heads. And you would say, what a good little boy, what a good little girl, what a great son, what a great daughter you've been today in these areas where you can affirm us, Father. So, Lord, I ask that you would do that, that you would convict us and you would affirm us. Father, here and now and as we go throughout the afternoon, Father, I just invite invite that conversation Lord, we love you. Father, I don't want to speak for anybody else here, but Father, I know for me, Father, I want to do your will. I do. I I want to love what you love, and I want to hate what you hate. And Father, I I want to engage others uh, about this great gift of of salvation, this great gift of relationship with you, Father. Father, I want to testify of the joy, the hope, and the peace that I have, Father. Father, I want to love people and see people the way you see them, and I want to give them what it is that you've given to me. And, Father, I ask that you would stir that in all of us. And, Father, that we would go to the highways and the byways, and we would step out into uncomfortable situations, and we would, we would share the hope of our salvation. Father, that we would live it. That, Father, people would identify us as Christians. And that we would have an answer for that statement. Lord, I thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to serve you this morning. I ask you to be with us as we uh, get together in fellowship, that these would be some of the topics that we would discuss as we get to interact with each other. Father, I ask you to bless this food that we're going to get to uh, enjoy. And that you would be with us as we uh, go throughout this afternoon. That you would remind us of these things and invite us to this conversation with you. Lord, I ask all this in Jesus' great name. Amen.